is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Turah, 5784. Wait a second, is it 2023 right now? No, not from Friday evening at sundown, the month of Tishri began. And so according to the Lord's calendar, it's the year 5784. Praise be unto God. So Rosh Hashanah, the new year, Yom Truah. First, we're going to look at, the, its, at its historical background. Turn with me now, because this is a command from the Lord. The Lord has established these feasts. They are both types and shadows that he will fulfill in his ministry upon this earth. And he will fulfill it with both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. And that was a mystery in the Tanakh is that how was God going to, going to incorporate all these people from the nations into his chosen people? That the Lord came, he died upon the tree, and it, it was even a mystery to those uh, followers, those disciples of Yeshua, that he desired to bring those from the nation. And if you study the scripture, you see how God interjected people from the nations. And if you really look at, at, at Abraham's lineage, Abraham was a Gentile. Yet he's the father of the Jewish people who should show forth praises unto God and to be a light to the nations. So let us continue here. In uh, Vayikra, which is uh, chapter 23, verse 23, And Adonai said to Moshe, Tell the people of Israel in the seventh month, the first month is to be for you a day of complete rest. For doing what? For remembering. And then he leaves it right there. That's the book of Leviticus, chapter uh, 23, verse 23. And you're to do a holy convocation. Announce with the blasts of what? The shofar. And what, what have we heard today? The blasts of the shofar. And his command goes on to say this. Don't do any kind of ordinary work. And bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. And so today, did we bring an offering of fire? No, Rabbi lit the uh, Shabbat candles. But that offering was an offering to be brought before the Lord, thanking the Lord for his provision. Now, since Yeshua came, he has fulfilled and made a way so that in and through him, we can also fulfill Torah. It's through his work of us accepting him as our Messiah. He's our eternal high priest. And when he brought his blood, after he was raised from the dead, into the presence of his Father in heaven, his work of redeeming mankind was complete. But his role as our eternal high priest, the Kohen Haggadol, that goes on forever. And he's sent to everyone from the Jewish people to those who have been grafted in from the nations. Once you accept Yeshua's bloody sacrificial death upon the tree, and then he rose from the dead, and you receive that unto yourself, and you acknowledge that's the only way that you can be reconciled unto God the Father, then your name has then been inscribed in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, never to be removed ever. And you're also given what? The gift of the Ruach, the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
that dwells within all God's people. And those of you from the nations who've been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, this has now become your heritage. You have become spiritual Jews. And when you stop to think how many Jewish people who have lived upon this earth that did not become spiritual Jews, think of that from that perspective. The Lord has allowed you from the nations to be grafted in. They had their own free will. Their life has been lived. They had every opportunity to honor God with their lives. But it's only a remnant. Remnant from the house of Israel and remnant from the nations. Because the Lord said, narrow is the way. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. And so we are all blessed and enriched. So continuing here. One of the fascinating facts about the holy day of Rosh Hashanah is that it is considered a new year. The truth is, it comes in the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. Did someone make a blatant miscalculation here? Since it's not called that in the Tanakh, we know it by what? Yom Truah, the day of trumpets. Continuing, the biblical year starts in the spring with the month of Nisan. How do we know this? Because the children of Israel, when they're brought out of the of, of Egypt, what was that time period? It was the time of the Exodus, the month of Nisan. And it was on the 10th day of that month. This year, 2023, started the month of Nisan, according to Gregorian calendar, March 22nd at sundown. A few years ago, it was April 1st. And when you think about that, you think, well, April Fool's Day. No, Rabbi's not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. See, it follows by the moon rising and going away. It's a lunar calendar. The Gregorian calendar that most of us use in our daily lives, that goes by the sun. There are 360 days in the Hebrew calendar. There are 365 days, and every four years there's an extra day added for the Gregorian calendar. So continuing here. However, the rabbis gave such significance to the special Shabbat, which is Yom Truah, that they eventually considered it as a spiritual new year. Hence, the name changes as well. Biblically known as Yom Truah, the day of sounding, the festival of trumpets, shofars, this is the first day of Tishri, became called Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. The reason for this holy day is defined in one word, regathering, going home. Going home in the presence of your heavenly father. Think of it from that perspective. Let's continue. Since the fall holy days calls both Israel and those grafted into the common wealth of Israel to regather to a pure trust and faith in God. Rosh Hashanah begins the days of repentance, which in the Hebrew is what? Teshuvah. 
This is the day that the people of Israel examine their spiritual condition and make the necessary changes that is in this spiritual new year, that they will live a life that is pleasing to Abba, Father God. My brothers and sisters of Messiah, is that not our heart's desire? To do only what is pleasing in our Heavenly Father's sight? Absolutely. Because you have great love for the Father in your hearts. So important is this day of Rosh Hashanah that in fact the entire preceding Hebrew month of Elul takes on a holy significance of its own. The rabbis stress that 40-day period from the first of Elul through the 10th of Tishri, Yom Kippur, was to be a time of spiritual preparation. This was based on a belief that was on the first of Elul that Moshe ascended Mount Sinai in order to receive the second set of tablets of the Torah, the law, and that he descended on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. All of us who have read the scripture know what happened, right? He went up there, he was gone. They said, what happened to him? The children of Israel pressed on Aaron, said, hey, we need a God to follow. He said, well, I just grabbed this stuff and I threw it in the fire and out jumped a golden calf. That was his explanation, but we know that's not true. He formed it and shaped it. And the children of Israel were led into rebellion of their own heart's desire. Think about that. They're waiting for God's law, his Torah to come down. And they were not willing to wait. So going forward here. The purpose of the second set of tablets, the Torah law, was redemptive. Reminding Israel that although Adonai had forgiven them for their transgressions with the golden calf, repentance was still required. And repentance is not meaning, I'm sorry. Repentance means a change of heart, a change of thinking, a change of doing things. So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Yohanan, because what's beautiful about the scripture is that the word of God is woven together. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. The word which gives life. He existed from the beginning. We heard him and we've seen him with our eyes. We have contemplated him. We have touched him with our hands. The life appeared and we have seen it. We, we testify to it, announcing it to you, eternal life. He was with the Father, and he appeared to us. What we have seen and heard, we are proclaiming to you. And so you too may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua the Messiah. We are writing these things that our joy may be complete. If you claim not to have sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we acknowledge our sins, then since he is trustworthy and just, he will forgive them and purify us from all wrongdoing. If we claim that we have not been sinning, we are making him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. See, the spirit and the word of God reveals the truth of our lives. 
You know, sometimes it's very embarrassing when the Lord reveals stuff in our lives. But we are to be mature believers in Messiah and acknowledge what the Spirit of the living God is saying. He was given to us to dwell within us, to, to have the literal presence of the living God dwelling within us. Just as the children of Israel had the pillow of fire or the cloud at different times to lead them, we have it even better for the spirit of living God dwells within us. We're called temples of the God most high. So we should live up, set apart in holy lives because literally the presence of the living God through the Ruach dwells within us. Praise be unto God. So now let us look at the traditional observance because for some of you that are listening on the, on the, on the later uh, online, on those of you for the first time, this may be all brand new to you. So now let's look at the traditional observance in most synagogues in the Jewish community. In the synagogues, the shofar or ram's horn is sounded daily to alert the faithful that the time of repentance is near. Many Orthodox men take a special water immersion. The Hebrew word, it is tevilah, mikvah, to symbolize the cleansing of their ways. Since the theme of Rosh Hashanah in repentance, the observance takes on a somber character, yet always with a hint of hope because of God's forgiveness. In the traditional Jewish home, the evening starts with the festival dinner with many of the customary dishes, which would include brisk, beef brisk, turkey or fish, dishes with possible honey cake. Then it's off to the local synagogue for the evening service. A good part of the next day is also spent in worship. And we weren't able to gather last night, but we're gathering today. And those who are online, blessed be the name of the Lord. Isn't God's provision great this, this time? And we've been born for such a time as this to be a light to the nations. Next, the liturgy, music, and prayers emphasize the reoccurring theme of repentance. Turning to God since the day is a Shabbat, most Jewish people take off from work or school in order to observe the day correctly. Traditional groups, the afternoon of Rosh Hashanah, is spent at a body of water. It's either ocean, lake, or stream. Observing the ancient service, Teshlik. The word derives from Micah 79, and this is what it declares. He will have compassion on us, and he will subdue our iniquities, our sins. You will throw all their sins into the depth of the sea. To illustrate this beautiful Situation, people cast breadcrumbs or pebbles into the water and they rejoice in the God and the God of his promises. With these themes in mind, it's customary in the Jewish community to send holiday cards or greetings to family and friends with wishes for a blessed new year. The most notable custom is the shofar, the trumpet mentioned in the biblical text. The shofar is sounded in the synagogue with four different notes, the first, tekiah, the blast. The second, shavarim, broken notes. Next, teruah, the alarm. And then finally, tekiah, gedola, the great blast. These notes provide some spiritual lessons. Rabbis observed that the shofar was used in the ancient world to hail a king. 
So too at Rosh Hashanah, all Israel before the king of kings in anticipation of the personal judgment. Isn't amazing Israel? Through the Jewish people around the world, they're longing for who to come but the Messiah. But he's already come. And he's coming again to redeem the remnant from the house of Israel. So continuing here. Also, often in the Bible, the shofar was sounded to gather the troops together for battle. How do we know this? Joshua chapter 6, and I'm not going to read that right now. You do that homework on, on your enjoyment of today, as the Lord directs in your heart to read. In this case, the shofar is our wake-up call, an alarm to call us to a pointed time. Like the harpazo being called up, the rapture, both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, are longing for his return. Next, let's look at the prophetic fulfillment. While historic emphasis on the holy day is repentance, the prophetic theme looks for a future day when the full spiritual regathering will occur under Messiah Yeshua. And so think about this. When Yeshua was went into the water, and he rose up, what immediately happened? Did he launch immediately into his ministry? No, he was taken by into the wilderness, and for 40 days, he fasted. And then Hasatan came and tempted him, and he proclaimed the word of God that he stood upon, and finally Hasatan left him. So think about that 40-day period up from Elul to Yom Kippur. Think about that. Is there a relationship to the 40-day period of testing by the adversary found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11? And what was the message immediately started that Yeshua proclaimed after those 40 days? Turn from your sins, for why? The kingdom of God is near. Because where was the kingdom of God dwelling at that moment? But Yeshua himself, he's the way, he's the bridge, the only way to the Father. So continuing here, blessed be the name of the Lord. What better time could there be had been for Messiah to start his earthly ministry than the time of spiritual new year? The historic evidence seems to indicate that the month of Elul served as a perfect time of preparation for the greatest spiritual message ever to come to Israel. That the God, Messiah, Yeshua, has now come. There is rich prophetic truth associated with the Feast of Trumpets. As characterized as a time of ingathering and spiritual preparation, a future fulfillment of Rosh Hashanah is also alluded to in the speaking of the future, regathering of both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah Yeshua commonly called Harpazo, or the rapture. Rabbi Shaul, the Apostle Paul, reveals interesting connection to this holy day. What does it say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18? It says this, For the Lord himself, who is the Lord but Yeshua himself, will come down from where? From heaven with a rousing cry, with a call from one of the ruling angels, and with God shofar. Can any man blow God's shofar on this earth? No, they would have to be in heaven to blow that shofar. 
So think about that. That's why he can come for his bride at any time. Men and women blow shofars on the earth. But this shofar, the appointed time when he turns to his son who's sitting at his right hand and declares, now go and get your bride. That holy remnant from Jews and Gentiles who have allowed the spirit of the living God to prepare and sanctify them for this spiritual holy wedding. So just think about this, my brothers and sisters, Messiah. One day you and I will be standing before our Heavenly Father, dressed in white, purified and sanctified, standing in our glorified bodies to be married to the lover of our soul, who is our Messiah, Yeshua. I can't wait. Blessed be the name. And it's the appointed time and the hour only the Father knows. Continuing, this holy day is a perfect picture of regathering of believers. In the future, all true believers in Yeshua will be gathered to meet him in the clouds. The dead and the Messiah will rise first, then to be followed immediately by those who are alive at that time. Not surprisingly, the signal for the gathering of the sounding of the shofar, in fact, the reference here is to a particular note, sounded at Rosh Hashanah. The word normally translated shout in verse 16 comes from the Hebrew word teruah, better translated in the context as the alarm blast in the twinkle of an eye. We will all be changed. We'll receive our glorified bodies and we'll send to be with our Messiah forevermore. We shall be with him. Similar references to the shofar as a signal of the rapture of the harpazo can be found elsewhere in the Brit Hadishah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 50 through 58. And I'm not going to read those today. You read them on your own as you spend time in the presence of the Lord. Another fulfillment of Rosh Hashanah is the regathering of the Jewish believing remnant in Messiah Yeshua. After the seven-year tribulation, the second coming of Yeshua, when his feet will literally land on the Mount of Olives. As far back as the, the 7th century, before the common era, the prophet Yeshiahu, Isaiah, wrote these words on that day. Adonai will beat out the grain between the Euphrates River and the Vadi of Egypt, and you will be gathered one by one, O people of Israel. Notice that. He did not say people of the nations. His holy remnant the ones that he's going to allow to go to Petra. And they're going to walk in his provision. Read Matthew 24. And you'll see and gain the insight on God's word. Continuing. On that day, the great shofar will sound. Those lost in the land of Ashur, Assyria, will come. Also those scattered throughout the land of Egypt. They will worship Adonai on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. Because you know what's going to happen? Messiah Yeshua is going to set up his throne. And for the next thousand years, he will be king of kings and lord of lords over the, all this whole earth. And we, his bride, will be coming back after that great tribulation to assist him in administration of his government. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Let's continue here. That this passage is referring to the latter-day regathering of the believing remnant of Israel is clear. And we're still waiting for this shofar to fulfill it. Likewise, Messiah Yeshua, when asked about the future of Israel, confirmed this as a later day promise in his own teaching. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 24, 31. He, and who's he? The Son of Man Yeshua will send out his angels with a great shofar. This is another shofar blast. And they will gather together his chosen people. His holy remnant, the children of Israel, the Jewish people. From where? From, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Next, the sound of the shofar is also a reminder of the blessed hope that every Messianic believer possesses. You have that hope in you. We could enter Messiah Yeshua's presence at any moment. How do we know this? It's declared in the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 13. While continuing to expect the blessed fulfillment of our certain blessed hope, which is what? The appearing of the Shekinah, the divine presence of Yeshua, of our great God, and the appearing of our deliverer, Yeshua the Messiah. Is it any clearer than that? Let us give heed to the sound of the blowing of the shofar. Lashana tova umituka. May you have a sweet and good year.